Okay, so we're coming to the end of 2019. And when you, you come to the end of the year, often you start to reflect and start to ponder and there's things that you decide you want to take into 2020 and things you want to let go of. Kids, I imagine, anyone got tubs in their school? Do you have tubs or lockers or something? Yeah, tubs. Has anyone cleaned out their tubs yet? No, no, I haven't cleaned out your tubs. You cleaned out your tubs? What happened to the stuff in your tubs, in your bag? All of it? The whole lot went in your bag. You didn't throw anything out. Wow, that's amazing. That really was a bad illustration, wasn't it? <laughs> You've thrown some of your stuff out. Thank you. That helped me a lot. Whew. Paper waste. Absolutely. Now, did everything go in the paper waste? Only unnecessary stuff. So you held on to some things, but you got rid of some things. Phew, we made it there. I was worried we weren't going to get there. Wow. It's the same with life. It's exactly the same. There's some things about 2019 that we need to let go of, and there's some things we need to hold on to. And in the Bible, you see time and time again, it, it repeats. God tells people what to remember, tells people what to hold on to, tells people what to keep. Does anyone want to guess or who, who might have read some stories from the Bible, what God tells you to hold on to? Not a trick question. Hope. Yep. Love. Love's good answer. Yep. Yep. Anything else? His word. Peace. Faith. Awesome. Awesome. God tells us pretty much to remember him. Because wherever God was, something good happened. Now, does that mean the whole of 2019 was amazing and we remember all of it? No. No. But there's parts of 2019 that God did awesome things and he wants us to remember it. In the Old Testament, they often set up a monument, a pile of stones or something to remember when God did something awesome. And I can guarantee you there's things to hold on and remember from this year. But there's also some things to let go of that need a bonfire or that need to be thrown in the recycle bin. And God's pretty clear about what those are too. He, he talks about not holding on to sin and to pain, and to suffering. It doesn't mean that that won't happen in 2020, but when we look back on 2019, there's some things that we don't want to hold on to. And this morning, I think God's asked me to share something that we shouldn't be holding on to as we move forward into 2020. Something that we should let go of and leave behind us. See, we love the idea of heroes and villains. We love the concept of heroes and villains. When you're kids, you play cowboys and Indians, cops and robbers, yeah? And I'm sure there's, there's other heroes. Who, who knows some heroes and villains? Batman, Thanos, and who, who, so he's a villain? Iron Man, Joker and Batman. Captain America, he's a hero. Hulk, hero. Spider-Man, Darth Vader, he's a villain. Luke Skywalker's the hero. We love this. And do you know what? It doesn't actually stop when you grow up. It changes, but it doesn't stop. And it's not any more mature either. Because we've got Holden versus Ford. There's like uh, skiing versus snowboarding. Samsung versus Apple. Uh, Collingwood versus everybody else. <laughs> like, it's actually no different when you're, when you're an adult. You actually still have this hero-villain mentality. Goodies versus baddies. And it's a lot of fun, and we lot, watch lots of movies about it. But when it comes to real people, we actually have a problem. Because we apply this idea of hero, heroes and villains to real-life people. 
maybe even people in this room we think about as heroes or villains, goodies and baddies. And it actually gets us in a lot of trouble. And it's actually something that I think we need to let go of and leave in 2019. Because it causes a lot of trouble. Now, if we think about the hero side of things, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 3. In 1 Corinthians 3, 3 to 7, it says, For a while there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, they're my heroes. It doesn't say that, I added that in. Uh, are you being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom, the, whom you believed, as a Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. So here we come back to what we said about what's good to remember. It's great to remember what God's done, but to put people into a place like God, to say, they're the people that, I, that are amazing, they're the people that are awesome, they're the people that I'm going to idolise, he's saying, they're just doing their job. Hopefully they're following God and, and showing how awesome God is, but they're just, they're just servants. Don't make them too much of a hero. Jesus is actually the hero. But it's the, this villain area that I want to focus on because Jesus actually spent a lot of effort talking about this area. He spent a lot of time smashing this idea of people being villains. He hung out with sinners and tax collectors and he was bagged for it. And he also hung out with women. At the time, that was pretty offensive. Hopefully it's not now. But what he also did is he told a bunch of stories and when we hear about stories that Jesus told, he often messes with what we thought the hero and the villain was. He actually messes with it. And when you think about the story of, say, the Good Samaritan, the idea of putting those two words together, good and Samaritan, was messing with the heads in and of itself. The idea that a Samaritan, who was, a, who was the baddies at the time, they were the people that you didn't like, that became the hero of the story. And then the people that they thought were amazing, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, he said, well, I actually made some mistakes. They stuffed it up. So already he's messing with our heads. But he says in Matthew 7, 1 to 5, judge not, putting people down, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So often we have this idea of judging people and, and, and deciding whether they're good or bad, deciding whether they're worth our attention, deciding whether they're worth our time. Now, I really struggled in preparing this because I thought of lots of examples of this, but I think they might be embarrassing for some of us in the room because they involve us. And so I'm not going to share any stories and examples, but I am going to share one example that embarrasses me, and, uh, and it happened on Friday. I coach a basketball team, and the reason I coach a basketball team is because I felt that God wanted me to encourage young guys. 
Daniel was playing in a team and I was like, this is an opportunity for me to connect with, with a bunch of seven or eight young guys and encourage them and bring the best out in them on the basketball court, but also just in life, let them know that they're, they're amazing guys. Now that's not always easy. And of the uh, seven players in our team, there's one player that I'm going to call Steve. It's not Steve. <laughs> Just for the sake of the story. Who isn't at the same standard as everybody else. In fact, he's never played basketball before in competition. The rest of the guys have played three, four, five, six seasons of basketball. And so Steve tries hard. Steve has a great attitude, but Steve really struggles. So I went, okay, I'm going to encourage Steve. I'm going to, going to help Steve be the best that he can. But as I'm doing this, I'm watching the other players on the court. Because when Steve passed the ball, it doesn't go to the other players. The opposition get the ball, they get a goal. And the whole team's discouraged. And you're like, ah, oh, trying to help Steve, but I'm also trying to help the rest. On Friday, I was a little bit tired when we got to training. And I was a bit frustrated with Steve because Steve wasn't listening, Steve wasn't paying attention, and Steve wasn't actually getting engaged very well. And so I was a little bit short with Steve saying, hey, Steve, I need you to listen. Steve, I've told you what to do. Can you do what I've asked you to do? Stop the drill, Steve. This is what we need to do. Can you please do it? And Steve was you know, slowly getting, his, uh, getting back into the, the routine of what we were doing. So he, he was kind of, he was a bad guy in my mind. Do you know what I mean? Like he was causing, causing grief. After training, one of the other players just happened to be talking to me. And he said to me, do you know what? I'm actually a little bit like Steve. I said, what do you mean? He says, I'm a little bit autistic like Steve is. And all of a sudden I realised I'd measured Steve by a measure that wasn't fair. I'd actually get, put a benchmark and, and assessed him and judged him w along with the other kids when that was just completely unfair. And I was like, oh, no, poor Steve. Here I am telling him to get his act together when he's in a place that's harder, that's more challenging, that's not as easy as these other kids. I turned him into a villain when he wasn't. It's really easy to do. It's really easy to do, and I'm sure already now you're thinking of circumstances, people coming to mind, situations where you've gone, I've written them off. I've decided that their actions, that their choices, that their words, that whatever they've done, writes them off. I don't want to know anymore. I've decided they're a waste of space, and I'll do as, have as little to do with them as I can. You know, hang on a minute, but what if my thinking... What if my thinking is actually based on like righteous frustration and righteous anger? I hear this a lot because I'm right. So imagine if the situation's not like Steve. What if Steve's just doing the wrong thing? Then surely I'm right to correct him, aren't I? Surely, surely my righteous anger is justified. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It later on describes us as enemies of God. If we want to have a think about what it looks like to be justified, the most justified 
person in the world is Jesus to be able to tell us that we stuffed up and we don't deserve a second chance. And his choice in that point, even though he was justified, was to pay the ultimate price, to sacrifice. To the point that he's on the cross being crucified and he says, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We've got to be really careful when we get self-justified because a lot of the time... God wants us to do the opposite of what the self-justification or what the, what the righteous anger or the righteous whatever it is tells us we should be doing. But hang on, doesn't this then become a contradiction? Because those of you who know the Bible actually know that it says if your brother stumbles and causes you to sin, you could go and, show and go and talk to him. So if we're told, take the speck out of your own eye, but then we're told, go to my brother, like, what's, what do we do? Is that, is that a contradiction? It says in James 5, verse 19, My brothers, if any, anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, a sinner from his wanderings, will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So is it confusing? Is it a contradiction? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You see, Ephesians 4, and this is where I want to I wanna land Ephesians 4, chapter, uh, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those that listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit or God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. Burn it on the bonfire. Put it in the recycle bin. Brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. See, when we play this goody-baddy, hero-villain, Collingwood everybody else, when we play this game with real people, it actually creates brokenness on top of brokenness. See, the reason that people do things that irritate us it's because they're not perfect. There's something broken about them. Another thing I say to my basketball players, you're allowed to tell the ref that he's made a wrong call on the day that you don't make a mistake. So the game that you do nothing wrong is the day that you can tell the ref that he did something wrong. And it's the same with us. We look at people and we want to say, you stuffed up and, and you offended me and, and I'm hurt and I'm broken, and, and we want to point that out. We want to judge them, and we want to put them into their place. But when we look at it from another perspective, we realize that we're both actually just a little broken. My offense is because I'm a little bit insecure. I've got something to work on. I've got a bit of brokenness in there, that I'm a little bit unstable there. And the things that they said that hurt me are out of a place of brokenness too. And for everything that's broken, there is only one solution. And this is a fantastic solution. And it's Jesus. Because for everything that's broken, there is actually hope. Broken people, broken lives, broken circumstances, broken relationships, there is actually genuine hope for every single one of them. And so when you look at a person and you say, I see potential and hope. Steve could be an amazing basketball player one day. 
But if I point out his brokenness and remind him of his brokenness and focus on his brokenness, what do you think that's going to do for Steve? He's going to stay broken. 2019, there's circumstances and there's people and there's situations that hurt. There's situations that were damaging. There were conversations that didn't go to plan. But I guarantee you, it was because, like me, like you, those things were broken. And I really want to encourage us to walk into 2020 saying, I'm going to be a person who holds on to hope, who holds on to potential, who holds on to the things that God sees in people, and I'm going to let go of the hero-villain mentality that I have. The idea that people, I'm going to give up on them, I don't want to have anything to do with them, they're a waste of space because that is not how God sees them. And that becomes a win-win situation. Because not only do they have potential, but you have so much potential to bring that out. It's such an exciting thing to watch someone's eyes light up when they get noticed. To watch someone's life transformed when they're believed in. When someone actually says to them that they're significant. Anyone that's been on a Southern Cross Kids camp or a Chips camp knows the difference it makes when just for one week, one person spends five days telling someone that they're valuable. And you watch the transformation in that kid's life from, from a, a place of um, uncertainty and fear and, and anxiousness to a place of confidence and, and liveliness and eagerness to engage in life. In one week, for one person, the journey with one child. Imagine the potential in this room if we actually look at people, not as heroes or villains, but as people that are a little bit broken like me, but have an amazing possibility when we unpack how God sees them. And we don't have to invent this. We don't have to come up with this. It's already been given to us and modelled to us. Jesus has done it. He continues to do it. He continues every day to be merciful to us. No one's perfect, and yet every day we get to wake up and have a new day. Today is different to yesterday. Tomorrow will be different to today. And like us, Jesus holds on to the precious things and gets rid of the rubbish. He doesn't remember them. He doesn't ponder on them. He doesn't dwell on them or condemn us for it. He says, let's leave that behind and move on. And so I really want to encourage us as a body. This is, this is both corporate and it's individual. Because corporately, we can fuel this stuff. Oh, I know what you mean, Sam. Steve is not really a good basketballer. I know I said it before, but oh, he's, just, he's just annoying when I play with him. I know what you mean. I agree with you. And I can agree on pulling someone down. I'm going to say, hang on a minute. No, no. He's not the best basketballer in the world, but mate, he gives a good crack. I'm going to keep championing him. We've got to, we've got to turn this around corporately. We don't want to feed or fuel or amplify the things that should have been put in the bin. They're there for a reason. And personally, and we're going to finish here, I really want to encourage you just to spend a couple of seconds going, is there one, two, three, a couple of people in my life that I need to not burn them, but burn my attitude towards them? Burn the attitude that I had towards that person. And I'm not saying this is easy. It's going to take grace. It's going to take love beyond logical thinking. 
like a saviour dying on a cross for a world that doesn't deserve it. I would argue you can't do this without saying, God, help me, Holy Spirit, please come and take my brokenness and the things and the bitterness and the things that I'm struggling with and turn it into something cool because we need him to do that. I'm going to pray and then I just encourage you to spend 10 seconds, 15, 20 seconds just thinking about it. But then I'm going to actually ask you to do something even crazier. If that person is in this room, can you go have a conversation with them? If that person in this room that you've carried a judgment, harsh thinking, a rejection, an offence, doesn't mean you necessarily are in a place yet to spill the beans and confess your, your heart position. But I do think the longer you, you ponder this as a nice idea and the less you actually do about it, the longer it actually becomes meaningless. And it was just a nice idea that happened a few Sundays ago. So if that person is in this room, can you go and say hello to them? Say something nice to them, maybe give them a hug and start to change the culture. Start to change the mindset. Start to change the way we think about this stuff. Because God doesn't have any heroes or villains in this room. He values every single person. And if I've got a queue of people who want to come and give me a hug, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just because someone just comes and says hi to you doesn't mean they're completely offended by you. <laughs> But I want to be proactive in this space because there's, there's two options. Either you're going up and valuing someone because they're valuable or you're going up and valuing them because it's the first time you've valued them in a little while. Either one's okay. So don't just assume that every, everyone who comes up and says hello to you thinks there's, there's been offence taken. So, yep, let's pray. Lord God, we are continually blown away by your goodness. Lord, you say your mercies are new every day and it's true. Lord, we rejoice, we are grateful, we are so thankful that you first demonstrated what this looks like. When we deserve to be rejected, when we deserved to be thrown in the bin, put in the recycle bin or burned on the, on the bonfire, Lord God, you said no, 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 that's not how this finishes. And Lord, I thank you that you pursued us while we were your enemies. And I thank you that you still pursue us. And Lord, right now, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come and do something miraculous in this room. Lord, I pray that you will miraculously break down the barriers, the, the, the offence, the anger, the malice, the, the bad intent that we have towards others, Lord. Lord, we know we all carry it to a certain level, but that's not what we want to be, Lord God. We want to let go of those things and we want to replace it with your love and your grace and your hope and your joy. And we know those things come from your spirit. So Lord, we pray that you would break those things now in Jesus' name and you would replace them. You would replace them with your abundant love, your mercy and your grace. And we thank you so much that we have this opportunity to be life transformers, to be people, Lord God, who bring hope into others' lives. And we just pray that you would help us see that and help us step and walk into that. Lord, just right now, as we pause, just pray you would just bring some names to mind that maybe we need to rectify, Father.